Well, team, it looks like the January effect doesn't necessarily mean just the first day of the year, right? It's the January effect. It's for the month. Now we need to see if we're going to be able to have a rally today. What's on the dock for today? We'll talk. Fed minutes released 2 p.m. today. China stocks keep pushing higher. Apple supplier issues. Let's talk about what's going on there. We got a bunch of ratings out today. And of course, GE completing the separation of GE Healthcare. Let's get into it. We also got Tim Seymour excited to get into everything this morning. It's time to rise and shine, team. Pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Let's take a look at the futures markets. Right now, the S&P futures are trading up 12 handles at 38.58, a tidy third, a little bit less than a 30-point range. So good call by Mitch. Maybe the uh, January effect is going to take a little bit longer. Uh, You have the dollar down 39 cents and 103.91. You have the bonds up over a stick here, a stick and a half at 127.23. Crude getting the beats down 236 to 74.57. Gold, it was a breakout up 1330 at 1859.40. Silver, it's going north too. That's up 11 cents at 24.35. And Bitcoin futures must be stuck because every time I look at my monitor, they're at like 16.7 or 16.8. They're up $195. It's 16,810. Let's bring in. Money, Mitch. What's going on? Triple D. How you guys doing today? I think he's in the cave. He probably just got a visitor. He'll be with us in just a second. Yeah, he's in the trade cave. Digging out. Getting that shovel. Digging out, Mitch. But uh, you're chipper this morning. What uh, what do we got on the docket? Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about uh, a lot of analyst ratings right now, right? A lot of action. A lot of action. Uh, Looks like they're trying to play a little bit of catch up at the beginning of the year, right? It happens often. Of course, they're starting to call their shots for 2023, and they're taking shots today. Uh, We got ratings on Apple. We got it on Microsoft. We got it on different stocks that are very important to the market. We're going to get into it. But one thing that I think you said yesterday, Joel, that I want to really highlight, I think it's an important thing, is as our leadership goes, right, if it keeps coming down and they keep coming down, I don't expect the market up. It's it's just tough. It's tough. It's tough. What did it's you tough. see in the in the action Let's... yesterday, Dennis? Um, the value trade came off big time, and that is kind of what is continuing to a certain extent this morning. Mm-hmm. Not so much the drugs, but the oil stocks. And we Ooh, talked about yeah. the potential turn, even in stocks like drilled. Caterpillar and Deer. Something wrong? No, I said oh. they got drilled yesterday. That's for they sure. They got drilled. And they're getting drilled here again this morning. I mean, this is textbook. So people sitting, waiting, didn't want to take the gains in 2022. Boom, first day of trading. They're taking the gains in 2023. ExxonMobil, real rough day, real rough morning here for all the oil stocks here once again. So playing by the textbook, we did see the growth names catch the bid that we thought they might right off the hop. But what happened was this Tesla imploded them. So when Tesla started going down, and we talked about this in the pre-market show yesterday, I'm like, if you're on these growth names, you got to watch Tesla. You need Tesla to catch a bid. If Tesla falls out of bed, the growth name's got to be sold. And that's exactly what did happen is Tesla was your leader. Tesla was your indicator for those growth names. It opened and just started tanking. Bounced off Joel's number for a split second, then just tanked all day. Yeah. Tanked yeah. all day, and that's telling you that you know you gotta go because some of these growth names are up three, four, five percent in the morning, like the squares, the PayPal's, even that PLL that you were talking about um, trading Hammered. up. It turned around and went red. We called that right too. We called a lot of things right yesterday on the show. This market has been playing the textbook for a while here now, and it played it yesterday too. Except obviously the Tesla imploded the growth rally, so then just everything fell. 
And then we were really ugly for a little bit. And then at the end of the day, you started to have the bottom fishers coming in, helping yeah. out the market. And we get the little bit of lift, you know, in the last two hours, the little turn. Today, we get a little overnight rally. It seems like we get these overnight rallies and then they seem to fade. But today is news day. Today, as the analysts are out of their slumber, they're back from their vacations, they're publishing their reports, there's so much analyst action here today. It's sending certain stocks and up and other stocks down. That's going to be the story of the day is analyst action. This is analyst day. All right. But before we get into some uh, kind of micro news and getting into particular stocks, let's talk about what happened overnight action as sentiment was boosted, of course, inflation data from Europe. Uh, better than expected French CPI and a drop in German import prices were helping the futures action there. Um, now, this morning, of course, mortgage application volume was down 13.2% at the end of last week. Uh, average contract interest rates for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate increasing to 6.58 uh, from 6.34% two weeks Oof. prior. Uh, definitely seeing the increase there. I know that a lot of people aren't really expecting housing issues. I was expecting a little bit more, but of course, I haven't had the experience here like you guys had. So what do you think? If we continue to see these numbers drop, 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 never catch up. Are we going to run into some issues? Throw it to wow. you, Joel, on this one. Six and a half percent. Holy mackerel. I mean, that is, boy, that is. And we're still raising yeah. rates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, oh boy. It, I'm it's just... going to hit the housing market. There's, it has to. Th this is why, this, again, this market is trading with so much common sense, you know, and, and a lot of people just are not listening to it. You know, analysts haven't been listening to it. People haven't been listening to it. If you just sit back and you just analyze the whole macro picture, like we said a year ago, and the Fed told you, we're going to go into a hiking cycle, and you sold all your stocks a year ago, you're just killing it. You're like looking at these stocks down 20, 30, sometimes in some cases, these smaller growth stocks down 80, 90%, and you, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be long enough. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't do it perfectly either. I still own some stocks, but it told you to lighten up stocks. We've had no indication the Fed's going to slow down. You see all of these home builder stocks that have had ridiculous rallies in the last couple of months. Who's got the money at 5, 6, 7% you to build a home? You know, like, and you go get a mortgage, you're going to build a lot smaller home is what's going to happen. So you got to look and think that these home builders are all value traps still at this point in time. Maybe if they just all of a sudden decide we got to just start lowering rates, that changes. But until the Fed pivots, the home builders have no business rallying like they have. So you can look at these PEs and say they're three, four, five, six. They're all value traps, in my opinion. I think eventually they pull the rug out from underneath these things, too. I've been wrong about the energy, but I think I'm going to be right eventually. You know, I'm early, I'm often early. I think I'm going to be right on this trade too. I think you just got to like look at the whole picture and say, I don't know if this is just the, the type of market to just go all in on yet. I, the, the Fed's given us no indication. Why not wait for the Fed to say the coast is clear? So I'm sticking with the bear thesis until the Fed says the coast is clear. Of course, uh, today... look at it. Yeah, looking at the XHB there, I mean, it had a gap up. There must have been earnings on one of the big home builders there, but uh, it's been holding that gap. I mean, they had some rallies. Uh, everything pulled back. I'm look, as far as the XHB goes, it's just, it looks like as long as you hold that, technically, as long as you hold that gap area, I guess it's okay. Let's look at uh, Toll Brothers, T-O-L. Uh, to see how that's uh, been trading. That had a rally. Still kind of hang. You know what, though, Dennis? I mean, I know that the bear thesis is there, but we're, we're just hanging on here for some reason. I, and we've kind of been in this trading range, and I'll go. I'll just Rotation, go Joel, not for some reason. Yeah. Rotation is your reason. That's the reason we have held on. That is the only reason we have held on. We've had drugs. We've talked about this show relentlessly over the last year. Drugs energy, your consumer staples, and your cyclicals, for whatever reason, have had a ridiculous rally. That's what's what we've held on. If we start losing those, then you got to hope the tech picks up the slack. You know, this morning, tech is helping a little bit here. Yesterday, tech tried a little bit, actually, but I, I just, you just add it all up and you're like, there's so much bloody risk out here and you get 5% for sitting in cash right now. Not that 5% is awesome, but it's a hell of a lot better than losing 5% a month, yeah. which is what we've been doing here, I feel like, for a long time you know, this, in this market. 
So, you know, not obviously every month. I mean, absolute but, returns, right? Yeah, <laughs> sound you know, a lot like, better than like, like it's gonna come into play. I just, I just can't see just coming in and just saying, yeah, this is the time to buy stocks. I just think you're early. I think I don't want to be early. I'm always early. I don't want to be early here. Was there a trade for the growth names? It lasted three days and Tesla imploded it. Can there be, if Tesla comes back, will I buy some of the growth names? Yeah, got to leave Tesla on your screen. So relationship trading working. Use Tesla as your indicator. It's getting a little bounce here this morning. It's got to hold yesterday's low. I think it eventually looks like it wants to go under 100 bucks. But it's your indicator for all your growth names. And then your other names, just by the calendar, started selling off yesterday. I mean, look at Deer. So taking it back to the spy, Joel, we went on the tangent here. The reason the S&Ps have held up so well is wicked, wicked rotation. Eventually, they're going to find they're going to run out of stuff to rotate into. Is that they're going to rotate the... into cash, and then that's <laughs> going to be trouble for the S&P. Yeah, yeah that is trouble. Uh, um, yep. Of course, uh, Tesla definitely still struggling. Came down yesterday. Do you want to give any technical levels on that, Joel, so we can move forward? I'm sorry, on which issue? Tesla. Tesla, no, Dennis gave it right. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you have that spike low. Uh, you made a one, 108 and a, had two lows at the 108 area. You had to bounce. What you wanted to see today is that hold, I believe the low was right around 104, 104 and a quarter. Let me get the exact number for you. The low from yesterday uh, came in at 104.64. Nothing there on the monthlies. Uh, I would say that, you know, the close, I would, you know, if you, if you want to take a stab, let's see if you get down to the close at, uh, at 108.10. But uh, even if like, you know, Tesla, it seems like there's always a thorn in our side here with the Mm -hmm. tech. And today, I mean, Microsoft moving six bucks off a UBS downgrade. I mean, is that not an overshoot? I can't believe that. I I liked it. I came in short Microsoft, so it was a (laughs) Um, So I actually liked it. I'm like, I've covered it because I looked at that and I was like, down six bucks. Is that there's got to be something else on a UBS downgrade? I'm like, that is a you know, it's a neutral. I'm trying to figure out why it was down so much too. I would have thought down two bucks on that. Maybe yeah. three bucks, but it's down six. There, maybe there's something else that we're missing, and I haven't. There's so much news here today. Chat, yeah. if you see something else, let us know, please, because there is so much analyst commentary here today. My head is just spinning trying to read all the analyst <laughs> ratings and read all the information. It's like a massive news day, even though we didn't really have anything report. It's just the no, analyst nothing. commentary is out of control today. Don't worry. That's what you got me for, Dennis. I got you, man. What else? It was something Let's talk else? about it. Talk All right. Me. Let's do first the UBS note. Let's talk about what was mentioned there from Microsoft. Then I'll mention a key bank analyst note. And I think that this is affecting also uh, different stocks because it's more about uh, mobile PC, kind of that kind of outlook into, of course, what Micron's been talking about, how also NAN and RAM um, are going to be getting hit. They mentioned Samsung in there. Um, they expect inventory correction to continue pricing pressure in the first half of 23. Things, things like this into the industry outlook uh, came from key bank analysts. But let's do the UBS analyst, Carl, uh, here downgraded Microsoft shares to neutral from buy, downgrading the ratings here um, on the back of a weaker round of field checks on the cloud provider, including Azure as the view that the office seat growth is likely to moderate in 23 and that Microsoft's multiple already feels fair, but not cheap. Um, so he put it at neutral. I think when key bank analyst, John Vin came in here and talked about December pricing uh, worsening for month over month and year over year, but improving a little bit on the quarter to quarter basis, demand in mobile and PC remains soft despite inventory levels starting to come down third quarter, particularly in mobile and except for cloud. Uh, He expects the inventory correction to continue that pricing pressure. Samsung's decision to increase production will also likely continue uh, pressure pricing on oversupply conditions persistent in 2023. Um, So one thing also to keep in mind is that if you think about it, uh, there's two areas that are getting hit here. It's NAND, N-A-N-D, versus also RAND, DRAM. Um, and so both sides here, 
when you're thinking about memory are getting hit and they're expecting lower demand here. So if there's anything that I think is affecting it, it's this. And this should also affect the stock like Micron. So it's a little bit interesting to see Micron up on this bank note. I have a position on Micron, so I'll out my comments there, trading position. Like yeah. I said, I covered Microsoft already. Um, so I'm out of that one, so I can talk that one. I, I, I just think there's so much news here. It's like processing, figuring it all out. I think it all... I think it's an overshoot still for Microsoft to the downside. But again, Microsoft, I'm just not a fan of. Um, I think the stock, you know, I see what Apple has done and I don't get why Microsoft has gotten a pass for this long. You know, from 213 up to 260. Yes, it's off the highs, but it's trading like 24 times or 25 times earnings. I think Microsoft is eventually has a date under 200. Why I sold my Microsoft a long time ago, ago, you know, I sold it at the beginning of the year. I can't remember the price I sold it at, but I didn't get the top. I think I was like sold like 275 or something. Obviously, it would have been nice to get out of 340. But you know, I had that Microsoft for a while, and there was actually Josh. Remember Josh back when he came on our show? Uh, Jason's son there that said I like Microsoft, and that was during the whole COVID crisis. I was like, I like Microsoft at 152. So I bought along with Josh and Josh's recommendation, and I ended up taking the profits. But I'm not getting back into Microsoft anytime soon. I don't think it's cheap enough. I think it's still got a date under 200. All right, let's get out of Microsoft talk. Uh, oh, Joel's muted. That's why I was. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do the pre-market low. The pre-market low comes in at thirty-two eighty-one. So, and then looking at the fifteen-minute bracket, so someone's nibbling here at two thirty-three. I, I certainly would be if I came in and saw it down, you know, five and a half, six bucks on a UBS downgrade. Uh, someone mentioned in the chat about filling the gap today at two twenty-eight sixty-three. I think that I mean it's got the momentum. I just I just would be surprised. I'd be out there not at two twenty eight sixty three. I'd be out there like two twenty nine in case there's a a quick whoosh. But uh, what is the PE, Mitch, uh, on this one on Microsoft? I'll, I'll give yeah. you an update because it's definitely. I think it's still twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. Wow. It's and, and LZC with a, a fabulous question. Um, I don't know if it's he or she because LZC. Um, isn't a 20 PE 25 good? You know, they're asking the question overall, you know, we've come down so far and we've seen PEs in tech 30, 40, doesn't 20 sound good. It does. If interest rates were 0% or 1%, but interest rates have come up so much that those PEs need to go down because of interest rates. So I would say in a five, six, 7% environment, a PE at 20 sounds expensive to me. So what is PE on Microsoft? I have 25. 25. It's expensive, folks. If they warn, this thing will get murdered. I don't know if they're going to warn, but I think we're going into a tough economy. I don't Mm want to own peas at 25, 26, 27 in an economy. And again, I can freely talk about this. I've already covered this short, the overnight short, because I feel like it overshot for today. But I still say longer term, I think this could have a date under 200 because it's just valuation is just too high yet. Hey, Dennis, watch out on your offers here. We just got a relentless bid here in the yeah, S&Ps now. Yeah. Now we're up uh, We're up 18 handles. We're coming up on the on the pre-market high at 66 and a quarter. We're really uh, choppy today. Yeah, there's not much in here. I mean, yeah. the 38 to 30, 3,800, we almost got there yesterday. 3,900 yeah. stopped us like on a dime yesterday uh well at least uh, during the um the intraday market but uh yeah we're, we're moving up nicely here i don't know if we have any 830 numbers uh to shake well, things mean, up a little bit but um uh, nice, nice bid here this morning for whatever reason yeah a little part of me thinks yesterday they broke a lot of the retail mentality for that january effect um, and I'm thinking that today that could can come back into play and then we actually get the rip that we were you, looking You for. could. The shakeout so, yesterday. Yeah, the shakeout. The shakeout. Yeah. Because the Deep mentality, it's not retail over. traders, yeah. they, 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 get, they get hit. Oh, yeah. Like yesterday during that washout, and they're like, oh, man, I don't know if I can go for round two today. I oh. think you keep Tesla on your screen. If you're happens. trading all the growth names, people don't like it when I say Tesla's a leader, but it is absolutely a leader for growth. You know, the people who were arguing mm-hmm. with me yesterday were proven wrong yesterday because Tesla was the reason that all those growth names ended up getting beat. So you got to keep it on your screen. If Tesla can rebound, Tesla starts going 110, 112, 115. 
those growth names will all catch a bit again. But Tesla opens up at like 109 or 110 and rolls over and takes out the lows of the move. The growth names will all get hit too. There's a lag effect. It's how I've made my living for 23 years, just trading relationships and trading leaders versus laggards and identifying who is the leader and who is the laggard. And it changes. The leadership mm-hmm. will change. So it's quick. It's got. To, it's important as a trader to identify who your leader is. But Tesla's an obvious one for the growth names. It's an obvious one for the higher P names or the no P names because you know a lot of these companies don't even make money. Tesla is still your leader there. Got to pay attention to it. It's the number one stock on my screen, even if I'm not trading it. All right, let's get into China stocks, and then we'll talk, of course, uh, the, another leader, Apple, right? Let's get into a bunch of what's going on in China. Um, so China stocks, of course, pushing higher here. A lot of this based on the Ant Group uh, now getting some approval here. I'll read you guys the headline um, as it looks like, uh, where is it? Sorry about that, guys. All right. So China's Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission's approved a plan for Ant Group's capital expansion plan of its consumer financial unit. Of course, Ant Group's uh, is an affiliate of Alibaba in which the e-commerce giant owns 33% of this. And uh, this is definitely helping some tech stocks. We've been seeing the China stocks to stay strong. I know that I, I myself have missed this run and I'm just starting to think i mean as a trader it seems like their markets have bottomed before ours long ago i mean look at this thing over the uh over the last three months right november you made your low in october um just going with the fxi here i mean this 30 bucks i mean you're busting over it now but uh that was your high before the big tank right 29.97 now you're trading over 30 bucks i mean I don't know. Could this be the the comeback year here for for uh, for uh, the Chinese stocks? They got whacked with our market. They had last their bear year. market. Yeah, but look at these green candles on the bottom right. I mean, and they had that their does... panic low. Well, well, yeah. here's another point too: is yes, interest rates are going up everywhere, but I don't hear China like raising rates and raising rates and raising <laughs> rates here. You've got maybe market fleeing. You know, yeah. this rising interest rate environment, looking for another home here, too. And here's a bunch of you know Chinese names. I'm not saying I'm not investing in China because of political risk, but I'm saying what is occurring here is people are looking for other places to go. They are sick of losing money in the U.S. and They're looking at, you know, these beaten up China names and they are beat up. I mean, if there wasn't the political risk, some of these stocks are trading. I mean, to, you know, the points chat, Alibaba got down to its IPO low. You know, in October, 58.01, it got down to its IPO low from eight years ago. Yet the company has grown earnings exponentially over this time, if you believe them. Yeah. They've, they've grown so much, and it's come back all the way down. I mean, what is the PE on BABA? Here's a good question, too. It's what is the PE low. on BABA? It's got to be Because it is low. Yeah, it's probably like a nine. Yep, right there, 9.7, nine. a little bit off. Nine. So you got a low PE trade here happening saying, hey, maybe, just maybe, we can believe these numbers. And maybe, just maybe, China's becoming a safer place to invest. Do I wish I would have bought a 58 or 60? Yeah. But, I mean, Bob, it was like 300, 250, 200, 150, 100, 58. You don't, it's, at the time, it was a really tough call. You know, but yeah, it bounced it right off where you would think it should have bounced. So hindsight capital 2020 bounced perfectly, Joel. Almost right to the now. tick. 57.20 was the all-time low. Not the, the two-year low or the three. The all-time low from 2015. 57.20. We bounced off the all-time low at 5801. Really? Now we're up here at 98. And it seems like the regulatory environment is getting a little bit better. I think I'd be mm-hmm. a buyer of pullbacks in Alibaba. But again, I don't want to stick in a long-term portfolio. But as a trade... I'm a buyer of pullbacks. It's in no man's land today. Someone is just piecing out here at 98. Wow, up 627, 98, 98 and a quarter. Hard to give technicals on this one because it just moves so much overnight. I'll just alert our traders and investors that uh, you did have your August uh, your August 31st high. That was a daily high at uh, 98.62. And then uh, you got to think about, uh, you know, triple digits. And uh, that uh, the last time it traded over $100. This was back on August 29th of last year. It traded uh, 
one double oh point ninety one, but it had a bad day that day as it closed at ninety six sixty. So something going on here at ninety eight twenty. Let's take a look at FXI. We just mentioned holding thirties, big on that. Uh, Baidu catching a bid here too, up uh, over seven dollars. What do we have here? One twenty six twenty. Not much in the technicals on this one. Do What's the P it? on this one? It's stupid, you. simple analysis, but it's important to know right now. Mitch is, Mitch is on it. Mitch is digging. It's low. I got you. Uh, it's 12. 12. 12. I mean, these are nines, 12s. This is where money is gravitating to. It continues yeah. to gravitate to. And you know, I'm like, I was hoping for a sell off in some of the drug names. They sold off a little bit and then they come right back. And you want to know why? The PEs are bloody low still. I, I'd love a pullback in these blood and these drug names. I feel like they've gone a little bit too far, but maybe we don't get it. I mean, maybe we don't get the pullback in these names. They don't have to do anything. They've underperformed for a decade. So, and you can argue the same thing with energy, but the problem is energy is so much more, you know, volatile during a recession. Obviously, a recession, oil demand is going to go down. Is drug demand going down during a recession? Not much. What's going on with Merck? We got Merck trading up. A Upgraded. Buck. Really? Yeah, wow. I know. And I'm out of Merck. I had it forever. It just runs so far. I just couldn't take it anymore. I the profits. But yeah. What is going on with this? All of that. They chase, man. They can't think. They're all lemmings. Sorry, whoever upgraded that. But they can't think. There's probably somebody we know. So I'll take it back. But but I didn't even look at who upgraded it. But I mean, there's so many analysts that just go with the trend. They're trend traders. Kramer is the biggest trend trader out there. You know, when Kramer mentions the <laughs> stock, before he says if he likes it or he doesn't like it, you can almost with 100% accuracy know if he's going to like it or don't like it. If it's trending up, he likes it. <laughs> if it's trending down, he doesn't like it. He Does, is doesn't he ask his Chartist friends, though? <laughs> that's all he is, is a momentum trader. It's going down. And again, that's the way a lot of traders are here. You know what? It works. It didn't work in 2022, though. Contrary you gotta have to tools. Today, 2022. You gotta have tools. We talk about this all the time. It can't just be one tool in the tool belt. But all right, let's get That's into what it is. And and I want to just go on that rant too, because these are good rants you're bringing up here, Mitch. I mean, technicals are one tool in your toolbox. Trend is one tool in your toolbox. But if you were just using technicals, you're like, well, you got to be long Exxon Mobil and Chevron and all your energy stocks. And you got to be long, you know, all the, you know, the other ones because they're trending higher. That didn't work so well yesterday. Why did they go down yesterday? I don't get it. The technicals are good. Because it's the first day of January. Everybody's sitting on these huge gains for 2022, and they're taking them the first day of 2023. Another tool in your toolbox, seasonality. Use more than one tool. Become a better trader. All right, let's get into Apple talk. And, of course, what's going on also in China situation, uh, Wedbush coming in, also cutting target price uh, from 200 down to 175, uh, citing here that China is in the heart and lungs of both demand and supply for both Apple and Tesla. The biggest worry for the street is that China's economy and consumers are reigning in spending, and this is an ominous sign. Uh, from Apple and Tesla. This was, of course, Daniel Ives, senior equity analyst at Webbush Securities. He told uh, CNBC, reported this. I think now you you know you're thinking in China's situation, right? Is that uh, there's a key challenge expected to be on the demand side, especially as we're starting to see a resilient high-end consumer might actually start shifting their spending in China to travel, right? Because they're able to start traveling now, um, and this might be the focus. Um, so one thing that I would keep in mind is that you might still see some of these casino stocks get the lift, but this is just talking about the whole China situation. Let's get on Apple here as of course, Apple reported yesterday telling suppliers to build fewer components for AirPods, Apple watch and MacBook. Well, it, uh, that, that along with the tech, this, uh, submarine, the market yesterday too, Dennis, early on, along with, uh, along with the Tesla, um, you're moving up here. <clears throat> Yesterday's high. I don't know. This is in no man's land because uh, I would say until you clear, I mean, you got room up to 131. Uh, your high yesterday was 130.90. Uh, your four day high, 131.04. But you know what? I don't think this is going to rally 
four or five bucks today. I think you're going to have to pick an intermediate level um, ahead of that. I don't even see a close in this area. I got I got nothing for you as far as resistance goes. Let's just talk about the pre-market high. The pre-market high so far is coming in at 126.68, but that's nothing. I just 127, 127 and a half. Coming back on the downside, um, you can use uh, uh, the, the close as support there. Close actually near, uh, where to close at? 125.07. So it closed a buck off the low. Easier to find support today in Apple than resistance. Yesterday's close, that's the lowest close since... Uh, I believe sometime in 2021 at 125.07. A tape bomb's coming, I think, from one of the big guns. I think yeah. we're going to get a tape bomb here, potentially. What, don't we already know it's Apple? They were guessing it's Apple. Right? Maybe it's not I mean, everyone's be as bad. been. Maybe the tape bomb's not going to be bell. as bad as expected. But, you know, I just think, like, again, 24, 25 times earnings, you're like, oh, it's so cheap. It's not cheap. 23. Okay, well, it's down to 22 or 21, maybe 20, because it's come down a bit. So maybe even if it's down to 20. But that E is based on pretty dang good earnings. And maybe the E continues to go up, but their growth is not there like it used to be. This company is a monster, hard to grow. We go into a recession. The, 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 consumer, the, the, the consumer staples, like really that you need, food, you need energy, you need certain things. Do you need to upgrade your iPhone? I don't think so. I think a lot of people did some upgrading of their iPhone. I just upgraded. I've upgraded the 12 recently. So I'm not upgrading anytime soon. I think eventually there's a tape bomb coming. I don't know if it's this quarter or next quarter, but I think there's one bad one coming for Apple. I'm still going to say, I think Apple could eventually be under 100 bucks. That's not a good, that, that'd be a bad sign for the market if uh, if you see that. I think everyone- I'm still hedged. Has... Uh, so I, full disclosure, I'm long Apple. You got this one right. Yeah. fully hedged with puts. Fully hedged nice. with puts. Been hedged since 155, have not removed the hedge. Well, that chart don't look bueno. So definitely the monthly chart's getting scary now. I look at my portfolio breaking. and I was like, I'm up so much on those puts. I'm like, thank goodness I hedged. And it looked bad for a bit, Joe. I remember I ran to 170 after I hedged. And I was after like, why earnings. did I hedge? I, again, I was early. <laughs> I was early. But you know what? I was right. Better early. Better early, early than, than too late because you're sitting here at Apple. I want to hedge at 155. Oh, they need something else. I mean, it, you know, the phones, the iPads. I uh, mean, uh, we, yeah, I don't know I about they'd... a car. I mean, you can't get excited. It just seems like they, they need like Apple. I mean, Apple TV or just something. I mean, they have the eyeballs and stuff, how, but how... I just think you're right. It's just like everyone, Maybe everyone already has an iPhone. Gene thinks it's still the car, doesn't he? Oh, I don't man. know. I, I think that's so far away, man. The car, but, but I think. But we've been talking about it for three or four years, the, and it's still so far away. The truth away. is, the truth is, in my eyes, is the competition in the car industry is so tough. Why it would is. they get in there? Yeah. I would rather get into more electronics, at least if I was leader, of course, right? Um, there's different there's different electronics they can get into. Maybe it's cameras. Maybe it's webcams. Maybe it's more stuff for the computer, right? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, uh, Apple's just more of a matter of going to survive this little rough stage and they'll be back. I mean, that's not, I don't think Apple's going to struggle not going away. to sell, to sell but, iPhones in the long run. It's just going to be a bump in the road. Bring up the longer term chart though, Joe and Tim Seymour, who we're going to have on in a minute here. So it's perfect timing. I actually should bring him in for this segment because I was listening to him yesterday on CNBC and he made a fantastic point. Um, look at where Apple is. From where the COVID, you think about how many stocks, how many tech stocks have round tripped all their COVID gains away. Look where Apple was. Look where Apple was prior to COVID. Yeah, about what was it? What's that price? I can't 30s. read because your charts are blurry. And about 82. Are 80. I can even see like you could even argue at the lows it go down like 60. Now the lows had no business being there because we know that was just a short temporary from the lockdown. But say 80. I mean, if you think this thing's going to round trip, 80 bucks on Apple, holy, wow, that would be ugly for the markets. But it's kind of, when you look at it on this chart, that chart on the right, it still looks like this could fall a lot further. And you just think of a potential, you know, Apple warning, what it would do to the stock. Not going to be pretty. And I think that's why it's weak. People are anticipating that, hey, this might warn and it isn't going to be pretty. And all of a sudden that PE at 20 isn't going to look as cheap. And it's still not cheap. PEs at 20 aren't cheap. Can we grab Tim? 
Yes, we can. He just joined in. Let's go ahead. Let's get right. Let's just bring him on. Let's do it. Let's yeah, not right into the stick middle around. of the conversation. There you go. Right into it. Listening <laughs> to you yesterday, Tim, on CNBC, I couldn't agree more when I look at Apple here and I just think, man, you've had so many tech stocks round trip their entire COVID gains back. But Apple's gotten a complete pass here. We're still 45 points. We're basically 50% higher than we were prior to COVID. Why does it, Apple get the pass, and do you think there's a potential that it could round trip? Well, and, and you had the COVID dynamic, but you had a stock that was almost 50 bucks in October of 2019. So by Feb 2020, it was an $80 stock. So people look at pre-COVID levels. You, you have to think about the re-rating that went on in Apple from 50 to 80 before COVID, which, you know, admitted with... Yeah, I can appreciate, and in fact, it deserved a software hybrid multiple. We had services revenue that went from 13% to, to 21, 22%. It's pretty much stalled there, by the way. But but um, I understand, and 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 I let me disclaim this by saying I don't have a position in Apple. I, I like many people, had been long and strong for a long time and traded around ranges. Um, I want to own Apple again. I don't need to own it now. And 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 I. <laughs> Apple is, is one of these cult stocks. It's also the biggest company in the world. And sometimes people get very offended when you talk about Apple and say it's going lower. Um, it, it's a phenomenal company. It's so well run. It's, it's, uh, it's got maybe the best brand in the world right now. Um, but the problem is that the multiple doesn't make sense uh, in a world where if you look at the entire pullback of the S&P in 2022 was really about multiple compression. It wasn't really even about an EPS cut and revisions and, and, and dynamics that are probably phases two and three of this. And that's a longer conversation. But I, I you know, I uh, with Apple uh, at 21 times trailing and that's relevant just because, again, we're talking about a company that hasn't really warned yet in terms of shipments. Um, we got that news out of Nikkei yesterday morning that said some of the suppliers were warned about demand issues more related to MacBooks, uh, AirPods and, and wearables and whatnot. But um, it, it's not as if the company's broken. It's not as if it's the same dynamic going on in Tesla. It really is a multiple story, and it is on some level you have to respect the charts. And, and, and Tim, I think oh, yeah, what a lot of ahead. people don't realize is, especially people who have started in the markets in the last few years, back in 2015, 2016, we were having the opposite conversation right. because Apple right. was trading with a multiple of 10. And we're yeah. like, why doesn't this get? you know, a market multiple. Why doesn't this get any favor? I mean, this thing is like, you know, trading 10 times earnings, the market's trading 20. Why is Apple so cheap? And eventually, you know, maybe it was COVID that just took it off. We got that. So if we decide to come back to a market multiple or we decide to come back under a market multiple, there could be some more pain ahead for this stock. Well, and, and a market that also the structure, this was part of the other conversation we had on Fast Money, and I, I think we've been having this, and I, I'm going to continue to make this point. I think the structure of the market overall is going to change. You're not going to have six stocks that are 25 to 30% of the S&P, not the NASDAQ 100, of the S&P. You know, yeah. and, and some of this is just about passive asset flows, um, which, you know, I, I think we all hope and, and don't think necessarily that is a, a secular change that has to change dramatically. I, I think uh, people recognize long term benefits of investing whatever money they can. And the equity market over time has proven to be a great place to do it. But um, the, the, the the passive flows and the ETF dynamics that have driven the market higher. Um, are th and and have and have rode the the the, the five or six horses to the top. You know, Apple's not going to be seven percent of the S and P. I'm sorry, and, and I also think that again, this is going to get me some some people are going to be adding me on Twitter on this. Okay. But I I'm amazed that Apple hasn't had more antitrust and and you know the talks of breaking up Apple aren't louder than they are about breaking up Amazon and other things. I just think. Uh, I think the world we live in, Apple is way too dominant, and I do think they are they push people around, and I think they're in a position to do that, and why wouldn't they? Um, I just think we're going to look back on this period in history and wonder how Apple got away with what they got away with, but I'll, that's another show. What picks up the slack, then, if we are moving into this environment where we're not going to have the S&P 30% five stocks? And obviously, you know, we saw Meta fall out, we saw Tesla fall out, we saw a number of stocks fall out. Is it energy? Is it drugs? What do you think is going to be the big, or is it just a combination of a whole pile of stocks making it up, Tim? What does the S&P look like in two or three years? In, in two or three years, it, 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 look, it can't be dramatically different. I think we're talking about a move that's three to five years. And remember, okay. one of the other things that uh, um, I just started 
doing uh, advisory work for an ETF that's launched called IDVO. It's the sister ETF of, of uh, ETF, which is a two billion plus ETF called Devo, which is a, a, a dividend and an income oriented ETF. Um, the international and the sister product of this launched about two months ago. And, and the things that this strategy is focused on are, are some of the biggest companies in the world that, that pay dividends. Um, I, I look at the world where uh, international investing has also been, I think, under a lot of pressure because of dollar headwinds and whatnot. And I think about um, just that you're going to see uh, a lot more focus on international markets. Now, you're asking me about the S&P. I guess my point is that I think that the S&P has also seen a major benefit from foreign asset flows for, again, investors that were looking for technology companies. You don't find a lot of technology companies in Germany. You don't find a lot of technology companies uh, in Latin America. You don't find them, you know, you find them in Asia, but you don't find the same. So I, I just think you're going to see more real economy diversification in back into the S&P because also this is another one of these asset flows that I think you're going to see uh, at least start to wane somewhat. Um, but I, I think about the energy sector, which is, you know, four and a half percent of the S&P weighting right now. And we I think most people that listen to the show uh, know where the weightings were at the peak. We probably talked about it with me in the past. They were 16 and a half uh, at their peak in 2008. Energy companies are, are run differently. The announcements by Exxon and Chevron yesterday about uh, more focus on U.S., um, less CapEx internationally. These are better run companies. These are companies that are more investable. So I do think energy could probably in the next two to three years pick up uh, 200 to 300 basis points of weighting in the S&P for sure. Um, I do think that, that mega cap pharma continues to grow and continues to be a place that you're going to see both you know, reasonable return profiles at, at reasonable valuations. Um, I think some of the, the industrial companies are also going to pick up some slack. And I know cyclically there's a problem with investing in some of these companies here. Um, but I do think that some of the big industrials, I, I think you know, I think I think Boeing's going significantly higher. Uh, full disclosure, I, I'm long Boeing. I think some of the uh, industrial companies in the defense sector are going higher. Um, and I just think you're going to see a little bit more of a slow broadening of of uh, of the base here. And that's, you know, for market participants, when you talk about the health of a market, obviously you are talking about breadth. Uh, and that's something that we haven't really seen, even some of the worst periods of the market, even in 2019. If you'll remember, we were coming out of the Fed scare of 2018. Uh, markets were yeah, they had a big run once the Fed kind of eased back and actually looked like they were given uh, you know, fresh gas. And they did. But but really, the places that people ran and took the market higher were these six or seven stocks. And I just think that that breadth wasn't really indicative of a healthier and broader economy. And it wasn't. So um, I just think investors need to be thinking about that. Great thoughts there. Definitely, Tim, on um, looking into what's going on with our leadership. Now, I do want to think about what could potentially happen. Could anything potentially happen in cannabis? Will we get deschedulization in 2023? I know you, you stay up with this, Tim. What do you see? Yeah. So so on on. On, on that marketplace, if you think about what happened in the last month of the year, you had a place where in the first week of December, there was an announcement that that uh, not only was there you know, momentum coming from the White House, but you had um, some behind the scenes comments um, that the DOJ, who had major opposition even to safe banking and things that were kind of these incremental steps that the legislation was going to provide, uh, was actually on board. There was a Politico article over the weekend. People come in on Monday and bid up these stocks that much more from that point. Um, where the expectation was that safe banking was going to happen. By the way, safe banking is not listings of cannabis companies on the New York Stock Exchange. It's not uh, suddenly capital markets are wide open for these companies. It's truly about processing and credit unions and trusts and, and uh, um, you know, probably more participation by commercial banks. But the fact is that this, this was seen as the incremental legislative reform. That was going to take the market higher and was going to then have the follow through of these other really important steps to get more capital into into this marketplace. But when 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 safe banking didn't happen in a lame duck congressional session, um, these these stocks traded down 40 to 50 percent from those intraday highs that Monday, December 5th or 6th. I forget what day it was um, mm -hmm. to the year end. That was also absurd. OK, the expectations that we are going to get something done. Um, I've been pretty I've been pretty cautious on that for a long time. Um, but the fact that these stocks were sold off um, to levels that they to fresh lows and, and well through the levels they were at, even when Biden talked about decriminalization in, in October is is explains to you both the, the lack of real sponsorship and strong hands that, that hold these stocks. This is not an institutionally held market. Um, the biggest issue for cannabis stocks are, are not the fundamentals. 
it's it's custody uh it, it, it's it's prime brokerage it's the ability for institutions hedge funds uh, family offices and and even some some real institutional holders uh, or, or investors that want to hold it that can hold it they can't and, and I think actually we're closer than people think on getting some follow-through from some of the uh, the the important custodial banks. They don't need Washington to come on board here. There's there's enough precedent, and there's actually you know been enough legislation already to say that what they're doing is not in violation of federal statutes. So um, I, I just I bring it back to that because while that was a major disappointment on the legislative front for cannabis, cannabis stocks traded to fresh lows when in fact the top five or six operators in the cannabis space um, I think if anything are strengthened by the delays here in legislation. Um, there will be legislation. Uh, I, I'm going to take a glass half full on all the things that happened in D.C. in 22 and in 21. Uh, there's a very real sophisticated conversation happening at the most senior levels in mm -hmm. Washington. Um, I don't think you're going to see something in the first quarter of 23. Um, but in the ways I was very cynical on the last congressional session, I'm much more optimistic on progress here. I think in the short run, uh, investing in some of the top five or six names, you know, I run a cannabis ETF. Part of what we're doing is trying to invest in that's the sector we want to have and not waiting for a federal headline, but the sector we have today. And I think investors that invest now, um, I'm sure I said this a year ago, so, you know, you can throw eggs at me. But um, I think this is still a very high growth industry. The illicit and adult and medical markets of cannabis, both from the U.S. and around the world, uh, are more than $100 billion right now. You don't need legislation. These markets are bigger than beer, wine and spirits. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's been a lot of, of uh, high expectation. But there's a lot of reality in, in what's going on in the sector. And um, Public opinion is certainly not the not the question. In fact, the only place where politics really matters on cannabis, unfortunately, is in D.C., where it really matters. We'll see what happens with that. Will we ever get that expansion where we start seeing these OTCs coming to the exchanges? That's really what I'm waiting well, for. And I think the massive expansion that can happen. Can we talk hockey for two seconds? Yeah, you got Dennis. Please, Look at him. Please. Look at him. He went, he went, he went real quick. Like, woo. Let's what talk. What took so long? I mean, so look. <laughs> Apple took over. So, 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 um, so Carolina comes into our barn last night having won, I don't know, I think uh, 11 or 13 in a row. And we shut them down. We shut them down, you know? I mean, mm. look, the Rangers have not had a – Maybe a, this team's for real. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> look, we've got some flaws, but it was, it was fun to watch. I also went to – the garden over the Christmas break with my daughter and watch the Rangers lose five, nothing to the caps. So, you know, we, 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 uh, we temper our enthusiasm here in New York, but, uh, uh, this is still the great, if not the greatest sport in the world and might be the second greatest behind baseball. But, uh, hockey is, is, is such a great sport. The talent level of these athletes, you know, people talk about NBA basketball players. I mean, hockey players, some of these guys, I think, are the best athletes in the world. Just, I mean, the Ranger know. team, obviously, the goaltending, you know, has usually been pretty good. It's struggled a little bit this year, but, I mean, it's coming around. You got Zibanejad, though, that's just been a monster. So, yeah, he, he, he's, he's, look, he's, he's kind of put the team on his shoulders. And, yeah. and uh, Shesterkin is, I think, you know, as long as he stays healthy, the guy's a perennial Vezina Trophy winner, but... The key is our kids. We got to get, you know, we've got to get our, our, we've got these three kids. We had the number one overall pick, the second overall pick a couple years back, uh, yeah. and late first round. These guys have to. It's time to produce kids. Let's go. Imagine if those kids were producing like some of these other first overall picks or second overall picks. This Ranger team would be the best team oh. in the league. Your picks have not worked out. It's these other players that now, have really obviously like the Zabenajeds and Kreider. I mean, with 50 goals last year, he struggled a little bit this year, but he wasn't going to do 50 again. But I know, mean, if, if Lafreniere or, or Keiko, if these guys yeah. could just do anything. They're not maybe picks, they're buried right? though. Maybe they're just <laughs> not getting the opportunity. Look, you're, you're, you're having the conversation <laughs> my boys you guys obviously have been reading your new york post sports page man. <laughs> <laughs> i don't uh, get the new york post sports page but yeah. what about my red wings my red wings are over 500 Stevie that's the 500 though this what do you mean? 500 who are they playing because you, know, you start adding up those overtime losses i don't consider when you're and i don't know the red wings record but i know they have a lot of overtime losses in there well look i mean they're, they're not the dead wings anymore i can tell you that that's a young team with a lot of talent and they've beaten the Rangers twice this year. So uh, I, I would say that there's plenty of respect from, from this side of the room. But uh, you know, I think um, when it comes down to, to, you know, to win in the NHL, you've got to have, 
you've got to have three lines that can go. You probably yeah. need four. And you can't have good goaltending. You have to have extraordinary goaltending. Yeah. And I think those are some 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 things that are key. But yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see, right? What happens with the Rangers might be what happens with the market. How our leadership goes, right? How our like, leadership on the Rangers goes. We'll have I like, to wait and see, Tim. Mitt's trying to bring it back in because I half know. the chat loves the conversation, Tim. <laughs> if you can read the chat. You never, make this chat. You never make this chat happy, man. <laughs> oh, Got to hook them. Got to hook them sometimes. We I have such a high-maintenance chat, Dennis. You know we're never <laughs> we're ever going to we, we're always Half the people love me and half the people hate me too, but they still listen. <laughs> well, it's great to have you like always, Tim. We'll have you back and appreciate you coming on in the beginning part of the year to give us an outlook into what you're seeing in 23. Guys, I love doing this. One of these days, I'll be uh, have arrived at my office and said, instead of having to pull it up to a park bench. I, I love. I like it, man. Where he is. He's in yes. a cab. He's doing. He's doing cash cab and one. Now he's. We out get. The we get too much studio time. It. You know. <laughs> it, it's look. It kind of sets the table. A fresh start. New year out in the park. Crisp. You know, Mother Nature. You know, I think we're all feeling it. So, uh, all right, uh, I'll do this again then. See you guys have soon. Have a good one, Tim. Thanks, Take care. Thanks, Tim. All right, like always, that's always great to hear from Tim. Let's take a look into the markets. What are we seeing? Any? We're just. uh, This is a rally. This is a rally. This is a twenty-one real troll. Was the bottom made? Where the bottoms in? Hey, I'll give you some food for thought though. And I thought it yesterday too. The QQQ. Check out the lows on the Mm. QQQ. I know you look at the S and P all the time. Go look okay. at the, the three Q's, lows the from Q's. the last three days on the QQQ and tell me that isn't your seven-star level for the Eight-star level, ten-star oh, yeah. level. I'm look getting at a two-star level. <laughs> the low from the 29th, 262.25. The low from Friday, 262.29. The low from yesterday, 262.13 within 16 cents. Of the lows, those three lows. Who says there's no such thing as a triple bottom? Yeah, it's look, right there, right now. There you go. Technicals helping out here. Well, look at the S and P's though. I mean, and uh, you know, I, you know, you guys are tough. You know, I whenever I try and uh, you know get uh, any kind of bullish, but look at this 3800 level too. I mean, yeah, we dipped in it. We went to 8850. They gave it a couple pokes last week. I don't know. This is a long consolidation period, Dennis, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the neutral camp. But if somehow we can bust above 3,900 here, this has been a trading range going all the way back uh, since really early December. And there's the range, and you know, up and down, up and down. Yesterday we almost saw both ends of the range. Uh, the way the markets are shaping up too is as far as level goes, the weeklies and the quarterlies, and I and I and I think I mentioned this yesterday, they're right in the middle here at 3850, Dennis. I think you get above 39. I'm not just talking like poke your head above for one day and there's a daily high here. I'm talking about making this a base, making 3900 support. I, I think you got some room on the upside here, but uh, they're battling straight here. Down. I think it's going to be an ugly year for stocks, but I was hoping we'd get a little bit of a pop in January. I'm still hoping for the pop in January because I want to raise more cash. I'm 50% cash. I want to raise more cash. Remember I said if we ever went to 420, I'd sell it all and put it all in like 5.1% and sit back and wait for the recession to happen. But we never got high enough that I was like, and we came close, and I wish, obviously, hindsight capital is 2020. I wish I would have did that. It takes a lot of guts to dump your whole investment portfolio, put it all in cash, and then just think you're going to get the timing perfect. It's like the person selling their house. You know, they're like, well, I'm going to sell my house, then rent for two years. The housing prices all come down, and then I'll rebuy my house, and I'll make all this money. The trouble of the matter is, is that the drift upwards, you know, eventually gets you, and the timing, you know, is always, you know, balls in the air. There's new information always coming in. It's tough to, to time that perfectly, which is why I never go 100% cash. Well, let's talk about GE completing their separation from GE Healthcare as GE Healthcare Technology starts to trade today and joins the S&P 500 under the ticker symbol GEHC. And so keep that on your mind. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. Can I get the lift? Um and I mean, something that I'll keep watch, right? Uh, these stocks have been making moves and maybe the healthcare is going to be better than regular GE. Who knows? Um, so I, I was long GE in my overnight account. I totally forgot about it. And I was like, boom, GE's down like 20 bucks. I was like, uh-oh, it was spin-off <laughs> day. And then I'm like, where are my shares? I got this 
fra- I got a fractional share on a spinoff. What the hell, the hell the hell do I sell a fractional share? I guess you can do it. I'm in IB there now, but I got like a point, like I got a bunch of shares and I got a point three 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 along with it. <laughs> so usually they give you a little cash, you know, for the fractional part, but I guess because we can trade fractional shares now, at least in a lot of these retail brokerages, that they actually give you a fractional share. I've never actually had a fractional share in my portfolio before, so it's interesting. Um but um, I'm going to have to, I still have a position. I sold some of this GHC um, right away just because yeah. I think this is the day when they get these spinoffs. Sometimes, you know, they, they come in just because obviously people, you know, have these shares and they just don't want them and they get rid of them right away. So sometimes Ooh. you see some weakness ahead of that. So I don't usually buy a stock and usually the spinoffs sometimes can show some weakness after, but I don't know. And I still have a position in GE. So I'll limit my conversations overall. I have no idea. I have a little fractional share of GEHC. Plus a little bit extra on there. I, um, I where is GE? I mean, now that you know they do the reverse. I know, yeah. Now, and now they do the spinoff. I like. I. I guess I you go to know. the old support jewel. I don't know. <laughs> you go to the spinoff. We just say the technicals is sixty one eighty eight. You know, <laughs> you got uh, another stock out of it. We were talking about you know the uh, you know the weighting in the S and P, and you know there was at one you know Dennis, we've been following this for so many years. I mean, there is one point when Exxon Mobil was the most valuable company, right? Yeah. And the number one component, two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. There also was a time where GE was up there too. Now that now we'll never figure out what the truth. I, I still. Think at 13, 14 bucks, but uh, really can't help you with the technicals on these folks because, uh, you know, obviously with the spinoff with uh, with the GE makes but, it uh, a mess. So it does. Your, it does. Some, some of your charts adjust for this, sometimes they don't. So I don't know. We're going to see what happens here. I don't know if they do that. Do, does your charting software adjust for the spinoffs? I mean, they adjust for splits. I don't, I don't know. know. They adjust for spinoffs. It just looks like a mess there until you start getting some more data in there. I hate yeah, you the need spin-offs. price discovery. So, uh, but at least I got the shares this time. Like it was worse when Intel, you know, they, they, they <laughs> did you see this mobile eye, Dennis? It's ripping probably. No, I know. Did we don't even get to participate in it, Joel. Like we're still long Intel, still but they say, oh yeah, you're <laughs> participating because Intel owns it. So you're actually, participating. yeah, really. I Tell want to that. own the shares directly ge did it right at least at least i got the shares i could say i don't want to own ge healthcare and i dump it i wanted the mobilized shares i was so excited i was like oh intel spinoff mobile i'm gonna get mobilized shares oh no you don't get any but you still own intel and intel owns mobilized so you're okay i'm like i hate that not okay. the shares worst thing ever I'm surprised this mobilized been uh, been rallying with what's been. I mean, I I always looked at them Holding, as more yeah of with a, the destruction that's happened in EV. Mobilize yeah. actually held up pretty well. Yeah, I'd sell it, but we have to sell our Intel to be able to sell it. <laughs> I guess we can short it. Um, one that to keep in mind with that GE that I see already coming down in the pre market could be also what Dennis talking about some of these value breaking Honeywell. Honeywell down in the pre-market there. Downgraded. Big level underneath it, 209. Uh, yeah, so. I, I think these all break. I just, yeah, that, that I'm, seems I'm of the like opinion. And maybe I'm wrong. Caterpillar came back yesterday. It started to break. Deer tried to come back yesterday um, after trying to break there. So they're holding up. The value trade's still holding up here. I, I just think eventually the recession worries are going to cave them all. But yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're going to get a soft landing. We're all going to have, you know, butterflies and rainbows. It's all going to be exciting. We're all going to go back to all-time highs. Everybody's going to get their money back, and inflation will just continue to run rampant. That's the other scenario. I don't think that scenario is happening. I think we're in a new – I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. I think eventually these interest rates are going to hit the economy. I think eventually these earnings are going to start to come down, and those P's are going to go up when that E comes down. All right. I'm going to let you guys uh, finish up here. Great job today. And uh, – be back with you with uh, at the close later on. So everyone have a good day. Uh, looks like there is some news hitting the tape right now. And uh, I don't know if people knew about this. It seems, I don't know, but Microsoft news. So Microsoft planning a 10 million investment in autonomous driving startup. Uh, get It's G A T I K. So I don't know the company either. Uh, it looks like it's a it's California a based auto, uh, autonomous driving startup. Yeah. Um, so uh, this was released by Reuters. It just released a little while ago. So I'm literally reading it as you guys are. Um, it looks like uh, it's interesting. Um, in January 2021, of course, Microsoft invested in General Motors uh, owned robo taxi developer Cruise. But seems like they're dipping more into uh, autonomous driving. 
Mitch, can we give the CRM news here too? Because this just gives yeah, you the, CRM. the environment that we're so in. So much. There's so much. It really tells you what this market wants. This market isn't about growth anymore. This market is about cutting expenses. And yeah. they are so rewarding stocks that are cutting expenses here. You got Benioff. It's on CNBC right now. They're talking about Benioff saying a challenging environment. Normally, that'd be bad for a stock when your CEO says this is a challenging environment. But nope, they did a 10% work cut, our sales force cutting 10% of the workforce. Yep. So they're rewarding the stock here for this. I don't know if this lasts. CRM is on my shopping list. Um, but again, I don't like hearing challenging environment. So I'd actually be selling this rip. What are your thoughts here, Mitch? Did I miss anything there? I think I took all the news away from you. No, you did, you, you nailed it. There's no okay, need to cover guy. it. There you go. Yeah. You got it, my friend. And I mean, it, it's interesting to see it up on the day. One thing I will note is I wasn't looking particularly at Salesforce yesterday, but I did notice that Oracle was holding up um, relative to like the other kind of tech names. Look at that daily chart. It's, that's, a, that's not looking too bad there for Oracle. Of course, uh, similar stock, uh, Salesforce. I think that, you know, these, PE. Are, these, these are starting to turn around. Is it P, is it the PE there? It could be. It's lower. Uh, I, what's your, I think it's Oracle's like 12 Yeah, CRM is 23 and then Oracle, I mean, they had decent earnings too. Oracle's earnings wasn't that bad. 17, yeah. 17. 17. So I, I think, I think you're seeing a little bit more of what I would think is Oracle lead a little bit here. CRM kind of follow that action. So if I could see Oracle continue to rise, I might be looking for Salesforce to continue to get the lift here, even though, like you mentioned, it's kind of weird. We hear cutting and now stocks are going up. That's, a lot of that we've is, seen that though the, yeah, for the last you know, back part of the year when they're cutting. Layoffs. They want that the investors want to get rid of the fat. The investors mm -hmm. are sick of you know so many people making so much money in these tech companies here, and they want to get rid of the fat. You know what? They probably can get rid of the fat. Think about what Elon Musk did in Twitter. He's just like. These people and these people making this much money, just cutting out the fat and cutting out the fat, efficiently running the company. I mean, nobody runs a company more efficiently than Elon Musk. You think about the profit margins he has on those Teslas. You know, I still love him as an entrepreneur. No, not invested because of, you know, the valuation. But again, I love Elon Musk as an entrepreneur. And he's a capitalist. And he's like, this is all fat. We're going to get rid of the fat. And that's what the companies need to do here. If we're going to go into a challenging environment, as Mark Benioff, who is very connected, I mean, to all of these companies, half of these companies, you know, he's spun off or he's been connected to. There's nobody that's going to feel out the tech environment more than Mark Benioff. And if he says the environment's getting challenging, I'm going to listen to him. Um, and obviously, you know, they're looking to cut the fat out. So he's positioning Salesforce for a more challenging environment by getting rid of and cutting expenses. That's not great for the overall market, though. And that's not great for the overall economy because a lot of these companies or do not cut the fat nearly quickly enough. And if we're going to go into a challenging environment for CRM, we're probably going to go in a challenging environment for all cloud names. Yeah. And if they're not cutting expenses, they could be hit, you know, they could be hit during this recession. So props to yeah. Benioff for identifying it. Props to him for, you know, cutting back. A very well-run company. Got to respect Mark Benioff. Very, very smart person. Done so much as well. But... That doesn't make me feel all good to come in investing in cloud names today. You know, when yeah. he's saying, you know, that basically one of the king of clouds that, you know, we're going into a challenging environment. Here's another word. There. It says st stocks are down and, and he sees there is a storm ahead. This is coming from Mark Benioff. This yeah, isn't coming from Dennis Dick. Seeing. This yeah, is coming one of the from leaders. Mark Benioff. Yeah, one of the leaders. And I think that the important thing there Connected. is... is it, are these stocks recession proof, right? Are these stocks recession proof? Well, I think that you're starting to see that if the leaders are trying to warn about what's going on in the environment, well, what are the, some of the smaller software names going to do, right? Like, let's say like uh, some of those companies that came out, like let's say like an Asana, right? What are these companies going to do? You don't think companies are willing to drop Asana? You, well, I think they keep Salesforce before they're dropping Asana, right? And so... I think at that point, you need to start looking at what companies could disappear here, what companies can survive in the software uh, names. And of course, a lot of these brand new ones are going to be in trouble. We'll have to wait and see, find out what's going on in software. Any last thoughts before you get out of uh, here, just Dennis? Just continuing that thought. So some people are saying, oh, you want people to lose their jobs. You know what? Some of these <laughs> jobs that people are yeah. making two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year 
shouldn't be there. Some of these mid-management jobs, yes, I think some of the fat needs to come out of this. And I think, you know, that is what we're seeing. When good times are rolling and we're in an expansion, everybody can win. But at a certain point in time, when you start getting into tougher times, you know, some of these mid-management jobs need to be cut. It's just a sad part of the state that we're in. You can thank Powell for that. You know, you can thank inflation for that. It was Powell's fault at first for obviously keeping rates low for too long. And that allowed the fat to grow in these companies here. But now that he's taken away the punch bowl, the fat has got to get cut off. And that's what's happening here. So it's a tough decision. You know, for Benioff to cut 10% of his workforce, I'm sure it's a really tough decision. Some of these people are very, very good people, probably very good at their jobs as well. So, you know, you feel bad for those people, yes. But again, some of these jobs just, you know, they were making so much money. You hope they saved some for a rainy day. I'm not talking about, you know, cutting jobs, you know, for the blue collar worker. We're talking about mid-management where people are making high six digits, even seven digits, you know, in some cases here. Yeah. That's a lot of money. And it's those jobs that probably are going to get slashed. Yeah. And then um, one thing to keep in mind, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this all comes from reactionary uh, from the monetary policy. That's what I would say. And so if there's anything that we need to keep and watch, it's monetary policy. And it's going to happen. There's going to be times where we're going to run into ruts. And it looks like the Fed is trying to break it, right? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to break demand. Well, they're definitely doing it. So it looks like CRM struggling there. But Microsoft struggling also. CRM getting some lift. It's a stock picking environment out there, team. Be careful. We'll see if we get the January effect today. Dennis, go do what you do best, my friend. Get okay, to thanks, action. everyone. Even I love you haters, too. I know you guys were really out there today hating on me. That's I love you, too. <laughs> it's the part of life, man. I get it all the time, too, Dennis. And uh, believe it or not, I even get copycats, too, right? I mean, it's just the part of it. One thing that we'll do for you right here on Pre-Market Prep is always try to be transparent, honest. What we are seeing, like always, you guys make your own investment decisions. We can't make them for you. One thing that we can do is point to a flag here and there, some levels for you guys to keep on watch. And then it's up to you guys to go into execution mode, right? That's what it's all about, especially in trading, swing trading, and investing. We got to make our own decisions. I hope that we help you guys have some better tools in your tool belt. And I'll see you guys on live trading up next. Don't miss it. We got Lord Ryan back. And of course, Zunaid getting into the action. I'll see how my swing trade is going in Duke Energy. We'll find out. Stay tuned, team. Hit the thumbs up. Come on over to live trading. Let's keep it going.